Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Coming up. It's really helpful to just take a moment and nobody will notice that you're doing this, but to just take count six breaths in, hold your breath for six counts, and then exhale for six counts. And if you do that two or three times, you automatically calm your nervous system down. You allow yourself to come out of the sympathetic system into the parasympathetic and you um, can hear your gut more clearly. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world-leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it would mean so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hi, hope you're doing well. So I have got a very interesting episode this week and similar to the episode I did with Kelsey Patel, if you remember that episode from a few weeks ago, which sort of took a direction I wasn't expecting and became a very vulnerable podcast and a healing podcast for me and almost a little bit of therapy. Well, this week's podcast is very similar in that way, completely different with the things that I talk about compared with what I was talking about with Kelsey, but what I talk about with Shanti, Shanti Fire, who is this week's guest, is really, I feel, very interesting and was definitely very healing for me and very vulnerable for me. And I guess the only way I can describe it is a very authentic podcast. Now, I met Shanti a few months ago when she was teaching a yoga class. And when I met her, I asked her how her Christmas was. And she said, wonderful. I spent 10 days at a silent retreat. And I remember thinking anyone that can spend Christmas 10 days at a silent retreat is amazing. And then the way that the path took me, I came across Shanti again and I just knew that she had to be a guest on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. So we talk a lot about intuition. We give you some tips on how you can listen more to your intuition, how you can start to drown out the noise of others around you. We talk a little bit about breath work. We talk about Shanti's amazing journey from lawyer to healer and yoga teacher. And yes, it's a a wonderful session and I'm not going to say any more. I'm just going to let you listen to it enjoy it. And hopefully by the end of it, you won't think I'm too crazy because I definitely share some stories which may surprise you. So let's get in to this week's episode. Hi Shanti, thank you so much for joining me today on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. I'm super excited. (laughs) I am super excited too. And I want to really dive in by talking a little bit about your fascinating journey, because what I can't believe, because I know you obviously as a yoga teacher and a healer, but I can't believe that only about three years ago, you were sat in a high rise building in Manhattan as a (laughs) high flying lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit bizarre how I got here. (laughs) So how did, you know, your journey from that to what you do now come about? It's a sort of 15 odd year journey that was, (laughs) that was started in London in two, well, 2007 or so, 2006, 2007. I had come back uh, to London after working 
in Sri Lanka for the United Nations and, and doing sort of international human rights work. And had decided that instead of going into international human rights work and, and living overseas for the rest of my life, which is the way I grew up, um, because my dad used to work overseas for international agencies, I thought, you know what, I need to grow some roots. So I'm going to go back to London and I'm going to finish my law degree. <laughs> and I'm going to become a lawyer. That'll make me stay still for once in my life because I'm, I'm a big traveler. I've lived in lots of different countries. And when I was in London, I had an experience in November 2007 with ayahuasca, with a ceremony. Mm-hmm. And that experience was something that I wasn't prepared for. And it really, in some ways, traumatized me. And I didn't quite know how to approach it because I hadn't really done much spiritual work other than growing up in countries where spirituality was kind of part of the everyday. I grew up in Nepal. It's a very spiritual country where people are constantly praying. It's a very active spiritual country. So you walk down the street and there's people doing puja on the street everywhere. So I kind of had this upbringing where I was comfortable with and and very familiar with, and it was kind of something I didn't think about. It was just there. Um, these kinds of things like yoga and meditation and and prayer and gods and goddesses and things like that, because I have a, a Hindu stepmother. And I hadn't really, as a result, kind of gone on my own journey to investigate these things. It was kind of just in my background. And after that ayahuasca experience, I felt like I lost a part of myself because it was a very strong uh, experience. And I was having a really, really hard time just identifying who I was anymore. They talk about plant medicine as something that you go through and you experience an ego death. And that was something that happened sort of a thousand times over in this one experience I had. And having not really prepared myself for it, I sort of fell apart, actually. And at the time, I was working as a paralegal in London for a law firm. And I just needed to find something to get me back to myself. A friend of mine who I lived with was also going through a little bit of a a period of self-exploration. And she had already trained in Reiki. So she, she kind of introduced me to all this energy healing stuff. And she found a woman who was doing theta healing. And after one session with this woman, she came home one day and her whole face had transformed. And I sort of said, oh, my God, I've got to learn what she's just done because I need help. And if she can have that kind of transformation after one session, sign me up. I'm there. (laughs) And so I went and I and I started having sessions with this wonderful woman in London, Dana Lazar. I don't even know if she's still working as a healer, but she was amazing. And I ended up being helped so much by this modality that I started really exploring it and then trained in it as a practitioner at the same time as I was doing my sort of working as a paralegal and then doing my training contract. I kept sort of doing more and more trainings and getting more and more interested in energy work and working on myself and working with friends and just really loved that aspect of of what I had discovered. (laughs) And it kind of just grew from there. And throughout my time as a lawyer, I just never gave up on my interest in this kind of work and I ended up randomly becoming a Qigong teacher by going to a monastery in in um, Scotland, a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in Scotland and was sort of surprised by a course that happened to start the same day I arrived. Didn't know what it was but it ended up being a two-year training course and I did that while I was a lawyer. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, And then sort of did the yoga teacher training and just got more and more into it. And then more and more people sort of said to me, you know, why are you a lawyer? What are you doing? <laughs> um, and I, I decided it was time to take the leap about three years ago. And two years ago, I left my corporate law job in Manhattan. Wow. <laughs> Started doing this full time. Yeah. And the day you left, so was it sort of quite a dramatic exit, so to speak? Was it, you know, this is it now, I'm leaving, I'm going and I'm changing everything? Or was it sort of a gradual process? 
It was pretty dramatic. I my last day of work was the first of June, twenty eighteen. All of my colleagues, sort of, and the partners that I was working with, sort of said, "Oh, you'll be back in a year's time. We we know you'll be back." And I sort of secretly was like,、mm, "I don't think I will actually." <laughs> Just feels like this is it.、Yeah. And ten days after my last day of work, I was on a plane to Costa Rica. And I was teaching yoga and meditation and helping people process their ayahuasca journeys at a retreat center in Costa Rica. Wow! <laughs>、um, and using my theta healing there, and and just sort of all these skills that I had picked up to help people process whatever trauma they were going through, whatever kind of healing they wanted to achieve, and it kind of just. Launched from there. <laughs> oh my goodness! And how did it feel when you made that decision? Because even though you knew you were going into something you loved, it was very much going into the unknown. And of course, you were leaving behind something which you had worked many, many years for. I know you had to study for、mm. many, many years, of course, to be a lawyer. I can imagine you had to give up a very big and comfortable salary as well.、Um, <laughs> you know, and、yeah. I'm sure that was that was all considerations of it. So. Was there a sense of a fear there, or was it just true sort of this is right and sense of sort of peace, or both? Was it maybe it was both? It was both,、mm. and it wasn't. It definitely wasn't an easy decision. It took me two years of really kind of inquiring into my own mindset about what I what I thought myself up as. What was my identity? I thought, you know, I have to be a lawyer to be seen as intelligent. I have to be a lawyer to be successful. This was so wrapped into my identity and my kind of, this is how I need to prove myself in the world,、yeah. and this is what success looks like, and this is what stability looks like. And I really had to work on my own belief systems and gradually shift them in order to come to a place where the dream was bigger than the fear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then I took the leap,、um, but I did take the leap into com- the complete unknown, because I know there are a lot of people who have their kind of side projects and they're able to build that up on the side while they're still working in their day jobs. I wasn't really able to do that because the energy of being a healer and the energy of being a lawyer are so entirely different、yeah. that I just wasn't able to switch back and forth on a daily basis.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it had to be one or the other. Amazing! Oh my goodness! And have you ever looked back? Do you ever look back and think, "What if? What if I stayed there? Or what if I didn't make that move?" I surprisingly, because I didn't expect this. Have not missed being a lawyer for a single day. Wow! <laughs>、um, I miss my colleagues、mm-hmm. uh, on occasion, and I think of that life with fondness. I really had some good years, and was yeah progressing in the way that it was. It, it felt good to progress in that field,、mm-hmm. but my heart is so much more at peace now with a kind of knowing that I am doing what I'm meant to be doing,、yeah. and. I'm still in the middle of creating it. It changes all the time, but it's such a wonderful place to be now. I haven't, I haven't looked back. I really haven't looked back. That's just amazing. And the work you do、mm. is so wonderful and so profound. And you very, very kindly invited me a few weeks ago to join one of your breathwork evenings, which I absolutely loved. And I mean, I've been. A yoga teacher for fifteen years now, and of course, I know the、mm-hmm. importance of breath work. And in fact, for me, of all well-being techniques that I've ever used for myself or that I've ever taught other people, breath for me is the most important one. But interestingly,、mm. when I did that breath work、um, evening with you, the breath work that we did was. Very different from what I'd done before, which I love. You know, I love learning new things and having new experiences. And we did about thirty minutes of a particular breath in and out through the mouth, didn't we? Yes, we did.、Mm. Yeah,、mm. and、yes. that that was amazing. And I know that. I mean, there was a group of group of us. It was via Zoom, of course, at the moment.、Mm-hmm. And 
everybody got a very uh, different experience from it, but a very profound experience from it. And it's one of those things, if you were to tell people, you lie on the floor for 30 minutes and you do breath in and out through your mouth while listening to music. <laughs> and that's going to transform the way your mind feels, the way your body feels. They probably wouldn't believe you. But when you do it and when you're in it, it's amazing. And, you know, some of the things that were coming up for people were very, very deep just amazing. I mean, is that something, is that particular type of breath something which you use regularly or do you find that you sort of shift it and change it according to the group you're working with? The sort of intention or the energy of the group really influences how I guide a group Mm -hmm. and to what depth the group can go. But actually, this kind of breathwork that I work with, it's called breathwork healing. It's an active breath meditation. It's sort of got its roots, I guess, in, in yogic pranayama, but this particular way of working with the breath, the lineage of it comes from a man called David Elliott. It's the only type of active breath work, and there are lots of different types of this this sort of breathing in and out of through the mouth. There's transformational breath work, there's Wim Hof, there's um, holotropic, um, there's a whole host of different types of breath modalities that use the active breath. Um, this is the one that resonated most deeply with me mm-hmm. because I really feel that the energy around how the space is held and how the breath work is witnessed and guided is from a much more intuitive place. It's more feminine in some ways mm. um, in that way of just really being connected And the results of lying on the floor for the 30 minutes um, and listening to music is that you're just in this process of connecting more and more to your own spirit. And your own spirit has all of the wisdom that you need. And the more you can connect to it, the more you feel guided, the more you feel supported, the more you feel um, the truth of who you are, how you are where you are, why you are, all of those things. And so there is always this element of depth, I find, in the groups that I hold. And when I work with this type of breathwork one-on-one in my healing sessions, there's always something that's really deep that shifts for people, even for people who haven't really experienced spiritual work before, a kind of like, what, spirit, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just find it one of the most beautiful tools. I use it as often as I need it. Sometimes I use it every day for myself, sometimes maybe once a week. Sometimes I only do it once a month. But I really allow my my kind of where I am to guide me in in when I need that as a tool. But it is something that you can do every day. And if you do do it every day, it it really um, has a powerful impact on your kind of day to day experience of your own life, I find. Absolutely. And for me, that's certainly what it did. It allowed me just to be very much in tune with my intuition. And over the years, I've become more and more able, I guess, to be in touch with my intuition and my inner knowing and my inner wisdom. But sometimes because of life, (laughs) and that's the easiest way to say it, because of life, (laughs) other things can cloud that. And I know that I came into that workshop with a particular intention, a particular question, I guess, that I wanted um, for myself. And it was related to a question about how I approach a situation in my place of, I guess, and and like I said at the time, I don't like the word influencer, but but as Mm -hmm. an influencer. And after that, I knew the answer. And the answer was <laughs> you very much go with your authenticity and your intuition and your vulnerability or my vulnerability. And that was yeah. that was very much my answer with it. And there's a lot to be said for our intuition and our deep inner wisdom and inner knowing. And I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I believe we're all completely born with that. And over the years, for whatever reason there may be, 
that some of us lose touch with it completely. Some of us partially lose touch with it. Some of us, we have it there, but we like to ignore it. We Maybe we choose to ignore it sometimes. <laughs> um, how would you say that if someone's listening to this that says, you know, I, I've got some questions for myself, whatever they would be, and I mm-hmm. want to get in touch with my intuition and my inner wisdom, where is a good place to start? Well, first, I absolutely agree with you. We are all born with this intuition, mm-hmm. with this wisdom, with this ability to really know and to know more than we think we can know, to know more in that kind of universal sense. I mean, I we're, we're sitting miles apart mm-hmm. on Skype and I still feel like I'm in the same room as you. There's a very kind of energetic physicality to the connection that I feel right now as we're talking and that is something that comes from that intuition and inner wisdom somewhere that's good to start I think one of the things that really was key for me in shifting from being distanced and separated from this intuition that we all have um, and my own intuition and guidance was this ability to get into my own body Um, as a lawyer and always somebody who's always sort of been in my head. We're trained, especially in the West, we're really trained throughout our education from from day one when we arrive in school, we're trained to use our minds and to think from our minds. And we start to forget that our bodies also have so much information and can actually process a lot of that information for us. And if our minds are then trained to listen to our bodies, and if our our spirits are trained to be more in our bodies rather than in our minds, then we start to access that intuition much more readily. Um, So one of the things that is really transformative, and there are so many people who've had this experience, is something like yoga. Mm-hmm. and is something like breathwork. That's why I think this breathwork is so powerful because it gets you into your body. So I just wanted to take a very brief pause in this episode to tell you a little bit about an exciting new course I have just launched. So this is not a teacher training course. It's for everyone. It's 10 days of face yoga. Over the 10 days, you get a 10 minute video each day, which leads you through a structured face yoga program. You also get a digital copy of my book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga. And at the end of your course, you get a lovely fun quiz, which is it's great for just refreshing your memory about a few of the techniques. Now, if you've already got a physical copy of my book, then this is still a wonderful course for you. It leads you through how to do the techniques in video format. It means you get a digital copy of the book as part of it and really enables you to have a very structured program. If you haven't already got my book, it's a great opportunity to get my book, but also to get videos with it. And by doing this, enable you just to go through each of the videos and enjoy some motivating face yoga every single day. So if you just head to faceyogaexpert.com slash shop, and it's the second product down on the shop, it's £29.99 British pounds, and you can convert it to dollars. There's the option there to do either. So head to the website now, and I hope you enjoy the course. Let's get back to this week's episode. More and more in my healing sessions with people, I am just working to help people unblock the things that keep them from being in their body, whether those things are fear, doubt, distrust, a kind of trauma that might have happened at some point in time. Um, And we've all experienced trauma on one level or another, Um, whether it's a big or small objective trauma, the body can actually, the body and the mind can experience um, something that might objectively seem like a small trauma as something that's absolutely massive And somebody who's experienced a lot of big traumas can experience a big trauma and the effect on the body and the mind is not so big Mm. because their system is sort of recalibrated to being able to handle that big trauma. Um, But somebody who maybe hasn't experienced trauma, like all of us as children, when we come into this world, we're pure innocence, we're pure presence, we're pure joy, we're light. And at some point, something happens where it doesn't quite feel right or we feel 
that sense of abandonment where we feel that question mark about, oh, well, if I have this behavior, then I get love. If I have this behavior, I get anger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So let me have this behavior. And then that's when we start to squash our intuition a little bit. And that's when we start to come out of our own bodies and we go into our minds and we get our minds to solve things. But really, our bodies know. Um, It's why we have that saying, listen to your gut. Like, what's your gut feeling? Mm -hmm. It's literally, what is your gut saying? What is your body saying? Not what is your mind saying? What's your gut saying? What's your instinctual center saying? Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think that something which can stop so many of us listening to our intuition is worrying about others' opinions of us, how other people perceive mm-hmm. us and how what other people will think of us. And again, if someone's listening to this and thinking, my gut's telling me to do X, Y, and Z, but, and then there's always that but, I'm worried about what so-and-so might think or what they might think of me. You know, sometimes we're not even pinpointing one person or a group of people. How do we deal with those external voices sort of clouding Mm. or sometimes quietening down that internal voice? Well, there are, hmm, it's a tough one because when you have those external, <laughs> yeah, when you have those external voices and when we're habituate, habitually listening to those external voices to get our validation, it's really difficult to turn those voices off. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that does help is breath and not the type of breath work that we, we were doing because that, of mm-hmm. course, means having a a period of time Um, that breath work does help as well but if you're kind of in the moment and I think that's more where the question lies if you're in the moment and you're kind of like okay my gut says this but oh this feels really uncomfortable and they're saying this and I don't know what to do now it's really helpful to just take a moment and nobody will notice that you're doing this but to just count six breaths in hold your breath for six counts And then exhale for six counts. And if you do that two or three times, you automatically calm your nervous system down. You allow yourself to come out of the sympathetic system into the parasympathetic and you um, can hear your gut more clearly. You're in a calmer place so you can you can connect to what you what the actual truth of the situation is much more easily. So that's a really useful, quick tool to use. That's amazing. So something I would like to talk about, which goes on really nicely from that, is the theta healing that you do, which I know really ties together what you've just talked about with intuition and the breath Mm. work as well. How have you used that healing for yourself and and how do you now use it with other people? I mean, my... um, if I'm right in thinking that this was a type of theta healing, my, my first experience of it was when you were teaching a yoga class I, I came to and you had a lovely guy that you were training that weekend. And do you remember, do you remember this class? And you brought yeah, him along. I do, yeah. <laughs> and your mum was there too. And sort of midway through the class, you did this amazing, well, they did this amazing healing ceremony is the only way I would sort of describe it. And <laughs> your mum just transformed afterwards. You know, she was just glowing. I mean, she glows anyway, but she was glowing <laughs> afterwards just through this very, 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 what looked from the outside looking in, a very subtle breath work and a very subtle meditation, but it seemed like it had such deep effects. And so that was obviously my my first experience. And, and as I was saying to you, I was re- I'd recently come across it. It's funny, isn't it, how things suddenly, I'd come across Theta Healing a couple more times since. So I thought, oh, I'll do a little bit of research on it and then research it and then saw your website come up and then of course I know you and obviously I asked you to come on to the podcast <laughs> to talk more about it so was that theta healing that you were doing with your mum that day in the class <laughs> yes it was <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing I love how things work I it's know. just beautiful I know. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is an accident absolutely I agree. nothing is an I accident agree. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so 
I was doing a theta healing training. I was doing the basic DNA class. Theta healing is, it's a meditation technique and a prayer that allows us to connect to, in theta healing, we call, we call it creator of all that is, but essentially that is however you would think of universal consciousness, God, Allah, um, any, any name that you would give that essence, that entity, that um, source, that unconditional love that is the energy of all that is and from which creation happens. And one of the exercises that's mandatory in the basic DNA class is a group healing exercise to give somebody unconditional love, a healing mm-hmm. through unconditional love. And so I only had um, this one student in, in the training that, that weekend, that particular weekend. And so I thought, how am I going to get him to do the group healing exercise? <laughs> Which meant I brought him to my yoga class. <laughs> and I got all of you to participate. So you mm-hmm. were actually part of, the, of, of creating the healing as well. Mm-hmm. And with the theta healing technique, the meditation that we did in the class connects you to that energy of all that is. And from that energy, what we did in class was everybody in class sort of gathered this feeling, this energy of unconditional love, imagined it being poured into a cup that my student imagined he was holding. And then he just tipped and poured that cup into my mother. Mm. And, and she received the healing. Yes. <laughs> And it does when you allow yourself to receive or when you receive unconditional love as an energy, as a vibration through your cells, it starts to shift things in your body. It starts to raise the vibration of your whole body and you start to feel a lot better and you start to glow. Just yeah. like my mother, my mother started to glow. She did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and has she done that before? Was that her first experience of it or was she quite used to doing that? No, I've done I've done quite a few sessions with her over the years because she has asthma, so we work on her asthma together. Mm. She's got arthritis, we use theta healing to work on that. And um it's a modality that you can it's it it opens your intuition. So we started this this chat talking about intuition and theta healing is really a modality that trains you to open yourself to all of your psychic senses. And when I mean when I say psychic senses, I just mean your vision, your hearing, your smell, your speech, your um, just our senses. <laughs> um, and it connects you to your intuition in a different way and allows you to connect to that energy of all that is. And from that energy, you can do amazing things. You can you can scan somebody's body. You can read what's going on. You can see what's physically going on in their body. If they've got a disease or a disorder, you can see what emotionally is going on in the body. You can, and then you can start to shift that really just by asking for that to happen, by, by holding the intention for that to happen, by the person giving you the permission for it to happen. And by witnessing it and by witnessing the shift, in the energy it becomes a reality it's like that experiment that they did with um with light uh and they were they they sort of said oh well light behaves as a particle and then they had another experiment with light and they were watching the experiment they had an observer in that one and then all of a sudden the light started behaving like a wave mm-hmm. and so now we know that light behaves as a particle or a wave <laughs> and a wave mm-hmm. um And just the act of witnessing how the particles were behaving shifted them and allowed them to behave as a wave. And that sort of witnessing created a reality that we now say is scientifically fact. So with Theta Healing, it's really about using that energy of all that is, connecting to that source energy, connecting to unconditional love, and witnessing a healing take place from that from that center of unconditional love. And you can work on yourself and you can work on other people using this as a technique. And it's one of my favorite modalities because it's so it's so broad in the way that you can use it. Um, breath work isn't actually really a part of it, but because it's so key to how I understand energy moving through the body, 
I think every time I every time I use theta healing or somebody experiences it with me, the breath always comes into it as well. <laughs> it's got to. The breath has got to be there for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a little story for you actually about that class. Mm-hmm. Now, my listeners and you may think I'm a little crazy when I tell you this story, but I feel like people are used <laughs> to me saying saying things like this. But so we continue to do yoga during that class. So after we'd done that unconditional love meditation and we'd watch your lovely mum and your student do it. So we continue to mm-hmm. do our yoga practice. And as mm-hmm. we were doing it, so I was anyone that listening that knows the Hive Yoga Studio will know the side where the door is. So I was the yoga mat sort of closest to the door and I was Mm -hmm. doing my yoga and I felt suddenly this huge presence this huge energy and I almost didn't want to turn Mm -hmm. my vision to the left for a little bit of fear really because I I knew what that presence was and even thinking about it now it's making me feel like a little bit you know when you get a little bit sort of shaky and and tearful Uh And I knew it was the presence of a loved one that had passed away. And I turned and I saw, all I can describe it is a white light. So like an aura Mm. or a white light. And I knew exactly who it was. And I knew exactly Mm -hmm. why that person was there. And I smiled. (laughs) I just felt Mm -hmm. that feeling of unconditional love. I felt a little bit tearful, to be honest, and carried on my yoga practice. And interestingly, I felt that same presence from that same person probably twice again, both times during Mm -hmm. yoga. Um, I'm trying to think Mm -hmm. if it's both times at the Hive or maybe during my own practice. Maybe it was at the Hive Mm -hmm. both times, but definitely that was the first time I've ever felt a presence from a loved one that has passed away before so yeah. yeah I mean it's it's I mean I've not shared I told my husband actually when when I got home he's very used to me <laughs> he's very <laughs> used to my my thing my things that happen um but yeah and, and told him and he just said oh that's really nice and actually I think that that's all it yeah. is it, it is just really nice have you have you come across anyone that's had a similar experience when they've been part of a, a meditation or a healing session like that absolutely and I don't think you're crazy at all <laughs> at all thank you for sharing that's so beautiful I'm feeling really touched <laughs> that that happened um, it does happen um quite a lot actually um the sort of spirits of our ancestors come and visit or dear friends or loved ones and sometimes in a healing session somebody will show up and they'll have a message for somebody or sometimes in a healing session um, I will actually guide somebody to connect to an ancestor or a loved one Mm -hmm. who has a similar belief system to to the one that they have in order to kind of understand bring to awareness the gifts of this belief system so that we can shift it so that it becomes more positive without the stuff that blocks So, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I think one of the things when you start connecting to your intuition more is that we start realizing that this dimensional reality that we live in, this kind of the physical plane, what we can see and touch is not everything that's there. And it's the same feeling that you have you know, maybe you, you look at a new puppy and you have this exchange with them. The exchange can't be seen. It can't be touched. It doesn't manifest in physical reality, but you know that it's there. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's another sort of layer. It's another sort of dimension to our ability to experience this human life. And the more you can open your intuition, the more those types of experiences where like like you've been having with with this loved one showing up and just being with you the more that can happen and the more we can feel supported by everything that's there every plant has a spirit every tree has a spirit and i mean people probably think i'm crazy when i you know i walk through the park and i'm constantly like touching every trunk and having a word with every tree do you have a message for me lovely tree you know <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And, you know, some people might think I'm absolutely balmy, but (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) That's so okay. And something which has been really interesting for me recently, definitely over the last year or so, I guess I've been more and more in touch with my intuition and it's definitely a process. It's definitely a journey. But something I've been very aware of recently is almost being a little bit fearful of my intuition and my own sort Mm of inner wisdom and my own, I guess, spirituality is the only other way to say it. I feel the more that you listen to your intuition, the more that you open yourself up, the more things you see, the more things Mm -hmm. you know, the more things you experience i mean i did a an instagram post only about a week ago and it's the first time i sort of spoke about anything like that but i talked about in december how i got this feeling so deep in my gut the only way i can describe it's like a punch in the tummy and it just made Mm. me cry and bruce my husband said you know what is it this is just before christmas and i said i don't want 2020 to happen and he said why i said there's going to be something so big that's going to happen so big and it's all I know is it's to do with health and it's going to be huge but it's also going to change the way we live forever and I said I actually feel a little bit scared about it and it really it was such a feeling and then I had that all the way over Christmas that feeling of like 2019 has been, you know, so lovely and so many things have happened. It's been such a great year and it's almost like letting go of that because, yes, it's lovely, but it's also known and it's also safe. And knowing that 2020 is going to be huge and it's going to be difficult, but it's also going to be massively, massively transformative for everybody. And I had that feeling so strong. And sometimes I must admit that when I get feelings like that and it doesn't happen all the time every day because I'm racing around busy and I'm not listening to my intuition all the time and that's the reality of it but sometimes things just stop me in my track sometimes big like that or sometimes very very small and I must admit I do sometimes find that a little bit scary and it almost sometimes I guess there's a part of me that almost wants to stop that because it's sometimes easier I guess yeah Mm. easier is the word to say sometimes easier just being I guess ignorance is bliss is the this easiest yep. way to say it. It really is. You know, you just go through life. Whatever happens, happens. But when you have deeper feelings about things and when you open your yeah. yourself up to things, yeah, it can be a little bit scary, I yeah. guess. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, have, I have days where I really like ignorance is bliss. Yes. Why am I on this journey? Why did I open that door? <laughs> yes, it is like opening that door. Why is that door open? <laughs> Why is that door open? Mm-hmm. Why have I opened the hundreds of doors after that door? Yes, oh my goodness. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah that completely makes sense. Mm. But to your to your point about almost being fearful of the like the scope of it or the power of it. I think that's something that most of us feel when we start to get in touch with the reality that we are these really incredibly powerful creators. Um, Each of us is born into this life with a human mind, a human body. We can do so much with those two things. Mm -hmm. And when we start to understand the, the... ability that we have to create our reality through our thoughts and through our behaviors and we start to take responsibility for that because that's basically what happens when you start opening these doors Mm -hmm. is that you start connecting to your intuition in a way where you start knowing things and knowing those things really gets you to a place where you can see that you really are responsible for your own experience and we are so quick to just blame other people. And I think, you know, you see how the world works. <laughs> and there's so much blame kind of being shouted around and bandied about. And when you open those doors and start to get in touch with your intuition and start to get in touch with your own inner wisdom, power, knowing sense, it becomes a little scary because you do have the power to change 
your experience and through changing your experience, you're changing people's experiences around you. And we are, it's, it's such a sort of collective consciousness belief. I'm constantly working with these collective consciousness beliefs that get formed through kind of religious institutions, educational institutions, all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's such a collective belief that power is destructive or power is dangerous because there are so many examples of it in human history. So our minds automatically go to, oh my God, if I'm powerful, then I'm going to be dangerous. If I'm powerful, I might destroy something. Mm. And I don't want to be destructive. I don't want to be dangerous. I don't want to be that person. I'm, I'm peace loving. I, you know, I want joy in my life. I want love in my life, not destruction. So it's really about working through what is keeping that fear of the power in place. And letting that go and and shifting the understanding of, okay, my power does, does not mean that I'm dangerous. It does not mean that I'm destructive. I can act from a place of love. I can act from a place of integrity. I can, my power means that I can choose. My power means that I have a connection to my free will because we all have free will and we all have the power to choose. And the more we open our intuition, the more and the more we clear ourselves of all the stuff that's not ours, the more we have choice. And it's the same in yoga. Mm-hmm. The more you come to your mat, the more you practice. I mean, you know this for you know you've been doing this for so many so many years. The more you come to your practice, the more you come to your mat, the more you come again and again with intention, with integrity. It shifts things in your life, right? And it allows you to you know, increase your flexibility, your range of motion in your body increases, your range of motion in your mind increases. It's all linked. It's all so, so beautifully linked. (laughs) So linked for sure. And something which I'm trying to really work on at the moment and remind myself is to have gratitude for these signs and these feelings that I get, which I don't always Mm -hmm. have. I'm the first one to admit I don't always have the gratitude for it, you know, at the moment I've been getting, it's been, again, it sounds crazy, but I've been getting numbers. So, I mean, mm-hmm. all the time I see the numbers 1111, so like 1111, all the uh-huh. time. I mean, it happens probably mm. five or six times a day, which sounds really weird because actually you haven't got like the time 11 11 like I would always look at the clock at that time but then other things you know I'd glance at a timer for example during a podcast and it would be 11 11 and that happens to me all the time and sometimes I find myself Mm -hmm. almost getting a bit frustrated by that like why 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 is this happening again and Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to shift that to just a peaceful gratitude and just going okay Thank you. When I see that. And same, I mean, something for me has always been white feathers as well. Um, Whenever I get that, again, just trying to have that just peaceful gratitude for these little signs that I get and use those as reminders to just stay in line with my intuition and just let that path be and let that path continue if and when it will yeah, it, it is hard sometimes, isn't it, having that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel, um, yeah, I'm not sure what the what the necessary, the point I'm making with that is, other than just to say, yeah, sometimes we, we get frustrated by it, but sometimes we do have to shift it to gratitude, I guess. Yeah, and other mm. things. The angels are looking after you. That's what the 1111 is. Yes. <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people say those numbers are linked yeah. to the angels. Yeah. Um, but what is the scariest thing about these numbers over and over again what's the scariest thing when you have these kind of hits of intuition that aren't necessarily connected to something that you know I guess for me the only scary thing is that I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's scary I'm just trying to think of it if it really if that's the right word for it I guess it is scary no I think that is the right word I think for me it's Maybe it's frustration. I'm not sure. But Mm -hmm. when I see it, so when I see it sometimes, I just have a little smile and I'm just, thank you. And exactly that, you know, angels are looking after me or it's a reminder to stick with my intuition. And it's lots of times it's lovely. When I do look at it and think, oh, why, why is that happening again? Why am I seeing that again? I guess it's because, again, that ignorance is bliss. Sometimes I just want to 
carry on without having that knowing? Because I guess when you've got knowing, it, it goes back to what you said. It gives you a sense of, I guess, power in some way. And we have some negative mm-hmm. connotations linked to that sometimes. So I guess that's what it is. And I also guess sometimes it's a little bit harder when you've got that reminder to go into your intuition and live like that and live with your intuition Sometimes it is harder because you have to do the work and you have to do what you really, your gut's telling you. And that's not always the easiest thing. Sometimes it is easier Mm. to just listen to other people's opinion or just do what society expects (laughs) of you. Or I think that's what it is, actually. You know, sometimes that is just easier. And like I say, you know, that's probably, it's only probably five to 10% of the time I get that feeling. But it's interesting that I'm trying to observe those feelings and be aware of those feelings, you know, of that frustration or that fear when when yeah. they do come up. Because, yeah, I guess it is that. It's just sometimes I wish it would switch off, but I don't. I don't wish it would switch off, you know. When I'm, <laughs> when I'm in a good place, I love it and I want it to open up even more so. Yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah. It's super interesting. Um, do I have your permission to do a little bit of a clearing for you around I that? I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. As long as yeah. you don't mind. No, I don't be, mind at all. Yes, um, that would be because it's really, like you say, it's this real dichotomy of, you know, I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, and it, it, I can feel that you feel that it's such a gift for yes. for you to be able to have this connection and to to kind of be able to grow into this knowing and and sense of intuition and and it's just a sense of like really grounded connection that I get when you're really when you're really feeling positive about it Mm -hmm. and then in those moments where it's it's feeling a little bit frustrating everywhere (laughs) what I'm basically seeing there's part of you that's like well if I have all of this I've got this massive responsibility and all of a sudden I see you with this kind of almost like like a mini Santa Claus with a big yeah. bag of gifts. Yes. <laughs> and, and the bag of gifts is like massive. It's like yeah. six million times your size kind of thing. Yeah, completely. <laughs> um, and you're like, oh, if I've got all of this intuition, if I've got these gifts, if I'm able to do this, if I've got this power, this this yeah. ability, this skill, this, this you know, the, the, these, these amazing abilities Mm -hmm. then I have to do something with them yeah and it just feels like the weight of that feeling of doing something with them is what makes it frustrating does that make sense 100% that's exactly how it feels yeah so can we teach you I'm just going to do a little bit of like neural reprogramming here amazing (laughs) can we teach you that it's possible for you to open your intuition to continue accessing your intuitive powers, your intuitive gifts, your abilities, without having to take the weight of the world on your shoulders, without having to take responsibility for everybody's actions, without having to take responsibility for the outcomes of everybody's actions, Mm -hmm. and that you know what it feels like to be connected to your intuition and to be allowed to be connected to your intuition without taking this weight at the same time, that it's possible for just by virtue of you being connected and acting from your intuition, that that already is enough without you having to take responsibility for everybody else or the yes. world or the universe yes. or any other word that mm-hmm. is relevant there that kind of is encompassed in kind of universe, yeah. the planet, the um, the ecosystem is coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Okay, I'm just going to witness that shifting. Okay, how's that feeling now? It's feeling good. It's feeling better and it's, (laughs) you're going to, (laughs) um, you're going to laugh with the the analogy I mean well first of all mm-hmm. actually as a side note interestingly you know I've done lots of inner work before as you can as you can imagine um yeah. various different healers and, and myself as well and, and the word responsibility is always is always a big one for me 
before it felt like there was something on my head. I don't know whether it was a hat or like maybe even a <laughs> crown. And now I know that this that's going to sound like it's got some ego attached to it, but I promise you it hasn't. It was almost like there was a, no, a crown that was too heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. feels a bit lighter and it feels like it can sit there comfortably. And yeah, it's, it's lighter now. It's more... I guess it's more halo-like, which sounds, again, quite a, a funny thing to say, but it feels a little bit more like that. Good. <laughs> Good. Amazing. That makes complete sense, yeah. Thank you, thank you. But I'll continue You're so welcome. to work on that because that's... Um, yeah, I think yeah, there's that's still more to, work to do around that. There mm-hmm. is, there definitely, definitely is. Thank yeah. you. And before You're we so finish, welcome. maybe we mm-hmm. switch gears and we switch energy a little bit and maybe do a little sort of quick fire quiz on some of your favourite things. Would you be up for that? <laughs> I would. I love just sometimes <laughs> switching the, the energy. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to be that quick, I promise you, and it's nothing. <laughs> and it's nothing that, that scary. I, I mean, it's super I simple. To, I have to admit that when, when you say quick fire, I go into a little bit of a panic because <laughs> I don't know if you heard about human design yeah oh yes so we had jenna zoe um jenna zoe i don't know if you know jenna zoe she's quite a leading expert in in human design Mm -hmm. she came on the podcast a while ago she's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah what what are you in human design yeah so so my human design is a six two Mm -hmm. i'm a what is that a manifesting generator okay yeah um and I need to, I've discovered through my human design that I need to, before I make any decision or before I do something, I need to sit with every possible feeling that could come up if I do the thing before I actually decide. So it takes me forever. That's why it took me two years to leave the law because I had to sit with all of the possible outcomes before I actually did it. Well, this could be quite a long podcast then. <laughs> yeah, it would. But no, let's let's go. For let's, it. I think, let's go for it. I'll do my best. I think go with your intuition. I think that's yeah. that, that's the exactly. only advice I can give you for it. I feel like we've built this up now and I'm going to be starting by asking what your favourite colour is. It's as simple as that. Blue. Amazing. <laughs> that's easy, blue. Favourite crystal. Favourite crystal is at the moment rose quartz. Oh, I love rose quartz. The favorite, yeah. your favorite country you've visited, because I know you've been to over fifty. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know Nepal? I lived there and I visited yeah. there, and um, it's an amazing country. So I'm going to say Nepal. Amazing. Your favorite drink. Mm-hmm. Elderflower cordial with sparkling water. Lovely. <laughs> your favorite food. <laughs> Oh, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. All of a sudden my Italian side and my Indian side are fighting for like <laughs> for, for like priority. If you could have one last meal, what would it be? If I could have one last you know, it's funny, I really love um what's it called when they when they bread chicken and have it with pasta oh nice um milanese chicken milanese oh, in, in nice. italy <laughs> lovely i love that my children probably be a vegetarian as a yoga teacher and a, and a healer but i just can't do it <laughs> it's fine honestly your favorite <laughs> quote i'm gonna say the one that i have on my website and my email sign off because mm-hmm. it's the one that's coming right now and it's what you seek is seeking you and rumi the sufi poet said mm-hmm. that because I really think it's true. What you're ready for will find you. And what you seek is actually seeking you. Amazing. Yeah. And your favourite star sign? Oh, well, Aquarius. I'm an Aquarius and hands down is the best <laughs> sign. <laughs> Do you know your rising signs as well? Your mean... Um, I am Aquarius sun, mm-hmm. Aquarius rising mm-hmm. <laughs> and moon and Pisces. Oh, quite similar so I'm Pisces um, sun and then double Aquarius oh really yeah (laughs) (laughs) I feel like between us we've got a lot of emotions that's all I can say we do (laughs) a lot of emotions and a lot of emotions like big sky thinking (laughs) yes for sure (laughs) oh yeah your favorite yoga pose I love tree yeah, love tree. Amazing. Yeah. Your favourite mantra? 
Right now, it's um, Om Danvantri Namaya, which is a mantra for health. Um, and it's one that I've been, uh, it's, I think it's Om Shri Danvantra Namaya. And it's one I've been using uh, recently with all the health stuff that's been going on. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Really lovely. Yeah. Your favourite song? Uh, Landslide, Fleetwood Mac. Great. <laughs> your your favourite happy place? Anywhere where I can be quiet on my own with some kind of nature around, no matter what kind of nature it is. Wonderful. And finally, your top tip for inner peace? Trust yourself. Great. <laughs> Shanti, thank you so much. I feel this has been a not only an informative session, a fun session, but also for me, a very healing session. And going back to what I learned in your breathwork workshop a few weeks ago about vulnerability and authenticity and I feel like I've definitely shared a lot of authenticity and vulnerability today as have you so thank you yeah. thank you for being here thank you for holding space and thank you for being a guest this week thank you so much I've really enjoyed this Danielle thank you so so much and so much love to you you're very and welcome. to all of your listeners lots of love <laughs> to you as well lots of love <laughs> So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.